Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult Series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today to discuss prostate cancer management is Jill Terrian, Director of the Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts School of Medicine Graduate School of Nursing, and Susan Feeney, Coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Thank you both for coming today. Our pleasure. Yes. So um, this is not an uncommon scenario. A patient gets a screening right. test goes on to get biopsies, now what? So, and it's very confusing as a primary care provider too because the guidelines are not very clear. So before we discuss this case, what are the current guidelines for prostate screening? So the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force changed their recommendation from a D to a C a few years back. And a C grade states that we should have a patient-centered discussion uh, around the potential benefits and harms of screening, incorporating the patient's own personal values and preferences into that decision. So not only to just discuss the positive aspects, but what are some of the, the adverse effects of screening, and, and then use the patient's values. Now, they recommend it just between the ages of 55 and 69. Uh, you may remember back more than a few years ago that it was all men over 50, and then it was 50 to 70. So now it's, it's this narrow window, a much narrower window of 55 to 69. So, Frank, just wondering, so now here you have RH, and I know we're going to talk about him more. So once, let's just say, prostate cancer is diagnosed, how is it treated? Well, the treatment's based upon the stage of the tumor. And the way that uh, we go about evaluating that currently um, is that we do a, a systematic but random series of biopsies of the prostate. If you have an elevated PSA that uh, your concern might be cancer, you develop, uh, your urologist will, following a, a standard, uh, randomly biopsy uh, both lobes of the prostate. And then those biopsies will be graded um, to, uh, based upon how differentiated the tumor cells are. So uh, a highly differentiated tumor is less aggressive than an undifferentiated uh, series of cells. Um, the two worst, condi uh, worst uh, grades of those uh, uh, tumor cells will be combined in a score, and that's called the Gleason score. And you've probably heard that mm -hmm. term. And uh, a Gleason score uh, can be anywhere from one to six. Uh, seven seems to be the cutoff point where we consider aggressive treatment, uh, eight and nine. And then after nine, um, aggressive treatments are probably less considered because the, the adverse harms of that treatment are greater than the, the benefit. Okay. So just as far as the treatment, though, what... Um, that is the prostatectomy, or is that what, what exactly the treatment? That, that's a great question. So um, we, we come and think of prostate cancer and the need to cut it out. 
and uh, like most cancers, th that's where our mind goes to first. So aggressive treatment is a radical prostatectomy, but there are other ways to treat it. Um, uh, the, another initiative is you can do androgen deprivation therapy. Uh, so we used to do uh, orchiectomies, or you can do chemical uh, orchiectomies where you give medications to prevent androgens from being produced on the premise that the androgens um, might make the tumor grow quicker. The, uh, another approach that has become prominent in the last 10 years is what's called watchful waiting, which is repeating PSA tests every six months, watching to determine if the tumor goes from a, the more uh, indolent, slow-growing tumor to the more aggressive type of tumor. And this is really the crux of prostate cancer. The majority of the tumors are very slow-growing, and so treating a slow-growing tumor runs the risk of causing more harm than benefit. Um, so those are probably the three most common approaches right now. And based upon your PIOPSI results, you develop a Gleason score. And based upon the Gleason score, you then start to think about how best to treat it. They're, they're pretty tough treatments. And so uh, there's some bad, I mean, some bad sequelae from that. So how, how would you help someone like RH decide on treatment? Is, is there a tool? Well, in, in the past, we, we uh, relied upon the, the best advice of the urologist you referred the patient to. And um, uh, sometimes that urologist favored a more aggressive treatment than maybe you would choose for yourself. And it's, it's always been a hard situation. Uh, the paper that we're describing here today was, uh, was an observational study done in the UK where they took um, men who had prostate cancer and followed them forward based upon their treatment to determine what outcomes they had. And they had a huge data set. And to help improve its validity, they, they followed a similar panel of men in Singapore to see if their UK uh, uh, cohort would be validated against this other uh, population. And what they were able to do is to say, okay, based upon your age and your general health and your Gleason score, we can tell you what's probably the outcomes of all the different treatment options, which one would probably be the most common choice for most people, and then talk about by treatment option what the adverse outcomes would be for each of them. That's really an exciting concept. It is. There, there are plenty of other tools that urologists and pathologists use to help discern um, issues on um, prostate cancer, and it goes down to the number of mitotic changes per field and things that probably you can't use clinically. This tool is extremely simple, so it asks just a few questions. What was the, what's the age of the person? What was the PSA level? Uh, what was the stage? Um, and then general health questions, any hospitalizations, any genetic issues that might increase the risk, the Gleason score, etc. And then doing that, it says, it, it right off the back gives you a preferred treatment for those set of parameters with a bar graph that shows if you choose that treatment, what's your life expectancy at 10 and 15 years. And then it also puts on that bar graph what your life expectancy would be if you chose other forms of treatment. And it really becomes very clear that um, which treatment is going to be the ideal one for that patient. But then as you scroll down, it tells you about the rates of adverse effects um, based upon the parameters you put in. So just for fun, I put, I put a gentleman in who was uh, in his um, early 60s, a 61-year-old male, 
with a PSA of eight, so an elevated PSA, mm. um, and that his, his Gleason score was three plus four or seven. And right away, the graph says conservative therapy is most appropriate because the ability to get any life expectancy increase was extremely small, whereas the risk of adverse outcomes was pretty high. And so it breaks it down by adverse outcome. So with conservative management, the rate at three years of uh, erectile dysfunction was 27% in the, in the conservative group, 56% with um, ner nerve-sparing radical prostatectomy, so people using um, uh, uh, robots. Uh, Non-nerve-sparing prostatectomy, the risk was 66%. And with radiotherapy, uh, almost 40%. So just for erectile dysfunction, conservative treatment. In incontinence, conservative treatment, 1% versus radical prostatectomy, 20%. So you think about that right out of the bat, you've got you know, a huge increase in adverse outcomes that lead to quality of life issues and other, and other issues. And it goes on and on from there. So this, this web-based tool is something you can put in the data right from your primary care office and, and be able to sit and counsel the patient about whether they should follow the current urologist plan, whether you should get a second opinion, et cetera. So that's very interesting, Frank. So I was, I was just gonna ask you, so you, you would do this with the patient in your office so that you could discuss you know, what each, you know, each area of the result meant, because I think that to send people out, I don't see it you know, happening on their own, although our, our patients are really active consumers and could look up this information on their own. They absolutely could, um, and, but I would still say it's, it's worth bringing them in, having a 20-30 minute discussion over it, uh, because it's sometimes hard for people to understand. You mean doing nothing is what I should do, and so you have to kind of work through that, or you know, here's the risk of incontinence with the treatment that you're choosing. Um, and, and then we're also talking about, you know, the potential for bowel injury, you know, hormones, impotence, and so forth. So uh, one of the best parts of the, of the tool is the summary. And, and for the, my patient, it said, in summary, based upon the information you've entered, 88 out of 100 men will be alive um, over in 10 to 15 years with conservative treatment. So 88 out of 100, 88%, 90 out of 100 will be alive with radical treatment. And of the men diagnosed with prostate cancer, seven will die in causes not related to prostate cancer. So you can give them pretty optimistic information about, about their course of treatment. So yes, I, I, I would use this in the office and I would make an appointment specially for it. And if this data contradicts with the urologist, um, that you've sent the person to, I would recommend a second opinion. Well, I think what's also nice is it gives them information that, it, you know, it's evidence-based and they can access it again. They, I don't know if they can probably print this sure, off, but, yeah. you know, I think a lot of times they get this information handed to them and it's overwhelming and they can't make a decision in the thought of, well, I get the cancer out, I want it out. Right. Whereas they can really look at, well, these are the, this is, your chances of surviving are good and the chances of a bad outcome you know, from the surgery is high, so. But anyway, what is the weakness of the tool? What were the limitations? Well, the correlation was, was about 0 0.8, so um, it, it, it still has a chance of being inaccurate in your patient's case, and it could be as high as one in five. So um, it, it's, it's, as we've said before, it's a guideline. It's right. a starting point. Um, but if, if this tool 
suggested that I take a conservative route, and my surgeon wants to be aggressive, I think it, it, it's reasonable to say that there's at least some evidence that supports taking a different tack. Let's learn a little bit more about that. And one more question. When they say watchful waiting, what does that entail? Does that, does that mean like yearly prostate exams or, or will they re-biopsy at some point? Um, they, will re, they will follow uh, PSA levels at intervals, typically six months. They'll also follow pre-PSA. Um, in some places, some urologists are even ordering MRIs of the prostate and incorporating that data into how quickly they reevaluate to biopsy again and so forth. So right now, I don't think there's a uniform approach okay. as to what to do for watchful waiting except repeat the, the serum levels at, an, at, an, at, a, at least in every six-month interval. That's great, Frank. So here we are with RH. What are, what are we going to do with him today? Well, I think we're going to sit down with him, plug in his data, and, and encourage him to speak about what his thoughts are. And, and listen carefully because he may be someone who's so nervous by this diagnosis that surgery is going to be the only thing that makes him better, or he may be very apprehensive about the adverse outcomes and has read enough to say, you know what, I'm going to follow the recommendations or I'm going to, I'm going to get a second opinion to decide where to go. This is really helpful and it's in a very complicated and common uh, condition. So thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, guys. Practice pointer. In patients who are newly diagnosed with prostate cancer, consider using the Prostate Predict tool to help decide on treatment options and risks for adverse outcomes. Join us next time when we talk about the role of psychological well-being, and in particular, a purpose in life and its influence on longevity. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.